Welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your relationship with money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. I'm your host, Tony King, and today we welcome a special guest to the podcast, Adam Carroll. Welcome to the Personal Financial Strategy podcast, Adam. Tony, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you today. Wow. Thanks so much for coming in. I really do appreciate it you and we're going to give you a chance to talk about your expertise here in a second but i just want to tell you i'm appreciative of you lending your expertise to us for the next 30 minutes or so there's there's nothing that i like speaking more about than money and people's personal finance tony that may sound kind of nerdy but i know i'm with a fellow finance nerd so this yes yes you are and no we'll just nerd out here if that's okay yeah well, to introduce Adam, I'd like to tell you guys a little bit about him. He's the host of Build a Bigger Life podcast. He's the curator of masterofmoney.com and founder of The Shred Method. Uh, and I'm counting three pretty big hats to wear there. And I'm going to let you give it, clue us in on what all those hats are and what they mean. But you you, uh, you do, as we were speaking earlier, um, you kind of have a paint a pretty broad swath in the personal finance area. So I was thinking maybe it might make sense if you could kind of share with us uh, your background, maybe the pathway that led you to doing what you're doing. Be, feel yeah. free to back up to how you grew up and where you're from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, and I appreciate the opportunity to do this, Tony. I, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. And uh, I always tell people to wave next time you fly over because there's... <laughs> There's a lot of people who will never, ever visit Des Moines, Iowa for any other reason. Um, but I, I grew up in a household that money seemed like it was always there, but it wasn't. And, you know, I thought we were an affluent family or at least upper middle class. And my parents laugh and, and say, oh, we were middle class, maybe even upper or lower class at, at some level. Um, but I didn't really know that because, you know, I grew up in a household that was very loving, very considerate. My dad was famous for saying, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, uh -huh. I said, I want to go on this trip or I'd like to be with this group at school or I need money for soccer or whatever he'd say, well, we'll figure it out. Uh -huh. And, and we did. And so what that led me to was life in college meant I started using my credit card and I'm, and my thought was, well, I'll just figure it out. Cause that's what we did at home. Uh -huh. And I graduated from college as a debt statistic had 20, several thousand dollars in student loans, eight grand in credit card debt. I had been an entrepreneur in college. So I was borrowing money for student loans to help build businesses, which I thought was being savvy. And in the end I learned a lot, but I, I also owed a lot when I was done. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, candidly, Tony, in my twenties, I realized that money really wasn't that hard. I had just been making it this kind of elusive beast. And I studied book after book after book around personal finance, and then started applying the principles. And by my by 26, uh, my wife and I had paid off all of our debt. And the only thing we had was a mortgage. And when you're, you know, a dual income, no kid couple with an extra three or $4,000 a month, you kind of feel like a millionaire. Yeah. And so I started sharing that message with with people in mass. That's a great story. And, uh, but at some point you decided to make this your full-time gig, right? I, I did. I did. I, um, 
actually a, a guy that I met who became a personal financial mentor of mine gave me a couple of books and they happen to be written by Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and the Cashflow mm -hmm. Quadrant. Mm -hmm. And I was so inspired and intrigued by passive income and what that meant. I went down this long rabbit hole of trying to figure out how to create it. And I had a realization that who I really was at my core was an educator. And I wanted to make money speaking and writing and ultimately creating content. And so what I like to tell people today, Tony, is I'm, I'm a mediapreneur, meaning I like to create media in various forms and facets and then figure out how to turn around and sell it. And um, it's been a fun ride. You know, for the last 20 years, I've made my living as a speaker. Mm -hmm. And then I have authored four Amazon bestselling books. I crowdfunded a documentary project on student loan debt that we sold to CNBC. And now, you know, most recently, The Shred Method, which is a piece of software and some coaching and training around cash flow uh, that helps people create, you know, real financial freedom in record time. Right. Well, if we can, I'd love to delve into the shred method a little bit, if we could. Yeah. Mostly because as I scan the, the strategists, the people that have aligned with personal financial strategy, that's kind of the biggest thing that we're dealing with is retiring debt. Yes. And, and so I'm always open to different tactics. And I, I just have a sense that the shred method might be one of those. It, it absolutely is a tactic. And, um, and I appreciate the way you've teed this up because there are strategies that people follow to retire debt and or to just manage their cash flow, right, Tony? Mm -hmm. And I think that what many people will do is they'll find one that kind of works for them. It's the flavor of the month and then they quickly rotate to something else. Because mm -hmm. maybe this one, they, they get tired or bored or what have you. And, and I would specify things like, you know, Dave Ramsey has a strategy, the five baby steps. And people get really fatigued at, at doing beans and rice for dinner over time. And then some people will say, oh, I'm, I'm just dollar cost averaging in the market. And here's how I'm doing that. But then they get sort of bright, shiny object syndrome around other things and, and it pulls them off track. So by and large, what I think needs to be stated is that if you find a strategy that works for you, stay with it because it's the long-term approach to money management, I think, that will get people on the path to financial freedom. It Absolutely. doesn't happen in two years. It happens in 10 years or 15 or 20 years when people are very consistent and predictable, predictable about what they do with money. Right. And so when I discovered the shred method, you know, essentially this strategy is about optimizing people's income. And I have this theory that, that we don't tip most people, and I'm speaking with a very broad brush statement here, but uh, most people don't have an income problem. They have a liquidity problem, right? So they make enough money to afford whatever it is they're doing. It's just that if they're trying to get out of debt or trying to invest in mass, they're not going to be able to because the majority of their money is illiquid. It's in qualified money. Maybe they've lifestyled up. So their, their amount of discretionary income is so small. It's not enough to really make a difference anyway. Mm -hmm. And so what we do in shred is we begin to teach people how to begin minimizing the monthly expenses by knocking out those debts one by one, maximizing how much money you have left over at the end of the month, and then figuring out what do you do with that amount that's left over 
that is the most efficient use of that money humanly possible. And for many people, it means eradicating debt, whether that's to zero or just to a point where the majority of your principal, your money goes to principal. Um, But at some point, our goal is to create certainty around retirement, which means that I know I'm going to have enough to retire comfortably and never worry about it again. Well, that's exactly that's that's exactly what we try and help people do. We yeah. call, we 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 actually um, have rephrased things a little bit. We don't we don't call it retirement age. <laughs> we call it choice age because we want people to have as many choices, choice. wow. not limited yep. by money in any way. And yep. um, that's the thing is trying to uh, stay focused on that. Um, yes. On the, that's the prize and stuff. I'm interested in your adjective shred. Could, yeah. could, you, could you maybe explain the shred part of the shred method? Yeah, this, this occurred to me. There's a little bit of a backstory to shred and how it all came about. And I know people oh. love stories. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. I was a mortgage broker for a number of years. And uh, candidly, I started a company that I um, I branded and marketed as the first socially responsible mortgage company in our state. And when people said, well, why were you the first socially responsible mortgage company? And I would often tell them the same reason Muhammad Ali was the greatest. He said he was. You know, so. <laughs> but we our goal was to put people in a better position financially when they were done with us than when they started. Because I was witnessing a ton of brokers in my area that would, they would call it section 32ing or five pointing someone on a $200,000 refinance, they would charge five points on that mortgage. They'd make 10 grand and they'd walk away and they, they'd say, cool, I'm done doing mortgages for the month. One loan, yeah. 10 grand and walk away. And I always thought this is, this is so underhanded and, you know, morally repli- reprehensible that I wanted to start a company that, that did not function that way. Right. And so I built this mortgage company. But what I realized was that we were getting people coming in left and right saying, I'd like to refinance my mortgage. Can you tell me how much it would be? And, and we would do the math and we would show them and it might save them 50 or 75 or 150, $200 a month. And they would do it. But I was left with this feeling of, but you just paid 2000 or $4,000 or whatever the number was to refinance your mortgage, which essentially set you right back to, to, you know, square one where you were before. And when I started really digging into the amortization table of a mortgage, and now this is where we're going to get into nerd speak here on money. Okay. Okay. But if you look at an amortization table, the majority of your payment goes to interest for the first, call it 36 months or 48 months. Sure. And that is actually when the majority of people will refinance before they've ever gotten it, you know, gotten ahead of the game on their mortgage itself. Mm -hmm. And so shred and why we call it shred is it's the first zero to 36 or 48 months of payments where you can make the biggest difference in how much, how much principal you can pay down on a mortgage. And when you do that, you know, pay, pay in advance or pay ahead on your mortgage, you're accelerating the amortization table in some cases by years and years and years. Yeah. And so we started realizing that one of our goals was to help people have more equity in their home, reduce the amount of interest that they pay, 
and then figure out what do you do with that extra equity and, and strategically deploy it in the right places to build real wealth. And when we do these things over and over again, um, you know, we help people build massive net worths in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's that's a great plan. And um, it's one that uh, I was just asked about by a client this morning. I mean, I was asked, I was asked the question, what do you think about HELOCs? <laughs> and, uh, which as, as we've also discussed earlier, Adam, I, I don't really give investment advice. We're, we're more about day-to-day financing and, yep. and kind of bread and butter stuff. And um, so I hesitate even to answer a question like this, but I know yeah. this client fairly well. And so I gave him my you know, my 10,000 foot answer. And I'm I'm just wondering if you would concur with this, um, you know, that, that equity that you're building that you just described in the scenario, that there's a value to that. And, uh, you know, another thing we're, we're uh, deeply involved in is helping people establish emergency funds should the unexpected happen. So my initial thought about HELOCs is a HELOC could be a, emergency fund on standby. Yes. And I'm just wondering if you would agree with that. I would agree with that statement. And in fact, there's a lot of people out there that, um, in fact, I'm going to make a broad brush statement on this, that really anyone that has equity in their home should have a HELOC there in case of an emergency. Now have an emergency fund for sure. Mm-hmm. That's liquid and available. Um, the thing about the HELOC that we really caution people about, this is not a spending account. And some people treat their HELOC kind of like, oh, there's a sale at Home Depot this weekend. Let's go shopping. Or, uh, you know, I want to, I'm going to put a, an addition on my home. So I'm just going to put it there. And it becomes just another debt that we're paying off. We use a HELOC in a very different way with Shred, where we're using it very strategically. It's not a spending account but we're teaching people how to leverage it in in very short bursts in order to offset what they're spending in interest on their mortgage itself. And it's easier kind of witnessed in our system than it is described on a podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. But but for people that that have discipline and that are very consistent and predictable in their income and their expenses, this works great provided that you have more money at the end of your month. And what we tell people often, Tony, is if you have more month at the end of your money, you're not a good fit for us. That means you're overspending what you make. Um, we would rather help the people or we're, we're, we are positioned to help people who have an extra amount of money every month that they're like, what is the smartest, most efficient thing I could do with this? And we give them an option of what to do and how to, how to use it. That's fantastic. I, uh, my wheels are turning. I'm t- <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking about that as a strategy and, and I'm in uh, I'm in, intrigued by it. Um, but again, I'm I'm really trying to practice discipline with my clients. Uh, um, yes. I, um, I will uh, refer people to you if they're interested in those kinds yes, of things. Yes. Um, and, and I'll be real honest. One of the things that we do is tell people flat out, listen, if if you meet these five qualifications or seven qualifications, this is for you or this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and we we are very focused and disciplined about who we can help and who we can't. 
Mm-hmm. And for those that have maybe a proclivity to spend or they're they're really in the accumulation phase of their life, mm-hmm. the challenge with having a line of credit available to you is it does become sort of like, well, it's it's there and let's use it and let's go on vacation. We deserve it kind of mentality. <laughs> Hawaii a, beckons. <laughs> that's right. That's right. As opposed to what I think you probably help people with, which is yeah. let's get very regimented and disciplined in how we're spending money and sticking to a spending plan. Yep, exactly. That's exactly yep. what we do. Well, I wonder if we might pivot a little bit. I see one of, one of your main areas of emphasis is is your masteryofmoney.com. And I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that this is a financial literacy resource. It is. It is indeed. I wrote a book. Actually, there's an interesting backstory to this too. I had a a book of a different title and I had bought a domain name. Some people think what I spend on domain names is crazy. So take this for what it's worth. But I had paid $5,000 for a domain. Wow. And and it was one that I was I was prepared to build an entire brand on. And I made one fatal mistake and that was not checking intellectual property and trademark uh, on certain words put together. So this particular combination of words had been protected by a trademark. And I got a cease and desist letter from the people who had protected it, but did not choose to spend any money on their domain, which I Hmm. thought was kind of crazy given today's environment. But this domain that I paid five grand for, and they in turn paid me seven grand for, because I I did turn around and sell it to them for a profit. (laughs) Um, I I was just downtrodden about this this idea I had and what I was going to do with it and where I was going to take it. And so one day I was just like, well, what, what else could I name it? And I have long held this belief that we should all be pursuing mastery of something, Tony. Okay. So mastery of, you know, the piano mastery of speaking mastery of, you know, your, your chosen profession or field, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. we should all be pursuing mastery and mastery is like a mountain that has no peak. You're forever climbing higher and higher and getting better and better at what you do. So I decided that mastery of money would be a really apropos domain. And lo and behold, on GoDaddy, it was $11.99 or $12.95 <laughs> or whatever it was. So I bought that domain and then quickly rebranded the book, uh, you know, repackaged the book. I have a book called Mastery of Money for Students. And that book's available on Amazon, used in high schools and colleges all across the country as a curriculum. And we're about to launch a podcast called the Mastery of Money podcast, where we're going to do, you know, deep dives into various topics that people want to know about. And it'll be everything from insurance to, you know, mortgages to investment real estate and people who are on the path to mastery, they can listen to the show and and uh, tune in. So that sort of explains that that URL, that domain and what we're doing with that that business entity. Well, I noticed in your bio, you have another podcast. Um, I wonder how mastery of money might differ from build a bigger life. Well, it's a great question too. I started the build a bigger life podcast in 2015 and we've been on hiatus since about 2020. I don't know that it'll come back. I, I love the show and I loved all the interviews I did. There are about 170 or 175 shows out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the show itself was really based on a, an idea that had come to me in front of a group of people who were basically asking me, you know, 
what do I do if I'm not satisfied with my life? And it was a small group, a group of people I was coaching. And what I found out was one of the young ladies in the group, she, she just really wanted to travel. That was what her goal was, was to, to get more miles under her belt. And when I asked her why she wasn't traveling, she said, well, I just bought a new car and she had bought new furniture and was financing the furniture. She had a couple of gym memberships, not one, but two gym memberships. Mm. And she was paying on those every month. Mm -hmm. And I said, so it sounds to me like you've built a really big lifestyle, but you don't have a very big life. Maybe you have it backwards. You should build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Mm. And that became the show. And so I, I interviewed people who, in my opinion, were, were building a bigger life. People who were doing more of what they wanted to do, less of what they had to do. And it was just an awesome conversation back and forth with people who are really inspiring and inspired to you know change their life in a better way. Well, that's interesting. It's it, it's it's a little bit different from your other endeavors. I'm wondering that that's that show's been in the can for a while now. So it has. What, what are your major takeaways from 170 shows on building mm. a bigger life? Well, the number one takeaway that I got was actually, it was, it's the first chapter of the book that was based on the show. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a book called The Build a Bigger Life Manifesto, which I finished at a, at, on a vacation in 2019. And it happened to be this vacation I had romanticized for a very long time about spending a month with my family in Europe. And um, it, it seemed like it wasn't possible. I wanted to create this existence where it was possible. And so the the lesson that I took away from it, Tony, was that we are the architect of our own life and we get to decide what that life looks like. You've done it. You stepped mm-hmm. away from corporate America to build this business that you're in. Mm-hmm. I would call you a life architect. You've decided that this <laughs> is the kind of experience you want. And the number one key to doing that is to identify what your core values are and then live according to those core values on a day by day basis. Because I found that in my interviews, the people who were living according to their core values were generally very fulfilled. And those who were not, or they were missing out on one, two, three, or five of the core values, they would say, I'm just not fulfilled. I need a change. I don't know what it is. And then I would say, hey, let's do this values assessment. And then I would ask them, so you mentioned adventure as a core value. How are you living that out? Uh And they would go, yeah, I'm not. And I'd say, maybe we need to incorporate some adventure in your life for you to feel more fulfilled. And it happened, you know, seven times out of 10, people would say, it's this, or it's that, or it's this value, this value. And then when I asked them, are you living up to that? They go, not enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think many people live in that space of, Mm. I call it like yearning, like this, and it, Over time, it becomes, it's tiring. It's like perpetual yearning. Like, yes. um, But it sounds like while you were participating in that, you're almost wearing a therapist hat. I want for a number of people I did. And the Build a Bigger Life manifesto turned into a a retreat that we did. And the retreat ended up happening a number of times. We would invite people who listen to the show and folks who had seen me present on stage. And we we would get groups of 10 or 12, sometimes 15 people in a house. 
And we were in Sedona, Arizona and Destin, Florida and really cool places. But it was wild to have all of the people in a, in a house describe their core values, their bigger vision. You know, one of the core tenets in the book is to ask bigger questions of yourself. And so those questions, which I'm sure you ask of your clients, are things like not how could I pay off my house early, but how could I pay off my house by the end of this year? Because when you ask a bigger question, your subconscious mind starts cranking on answers to that question. That's right. And we found that people were, they, they were inspired, they were making massive change, and they were experiencing exactly what they wanted to, which was they'd get to build a bigger life. They were paying off their house early. That's how Shred kind of came about. Uh-huh. And then it was things like one young lady, she came to our retreat and I said, well, what is it you want to do? And she said, I want to be a, a, ver- a digital nomad. I want to be virtual. Huh? And I think I want to work for the same company, but I'm not sure. And so at the end, Sam is her name. And I said, Sam, what's your takeaway? And she goes, I have to go talk to my boss and tell my boss that I want to be virtual. And so within two weeks, Tony, she was location independent, could work wherever she wanted. And within two months, she had launched a copywriting business that she was doing from wherever uh-huh. and travels the world writes copy for websites and sales letters and whatnot, but ditched the corporate job, even despite the fact she was location independent. She said, what I really want to be is independent, independent. Yeah. And within two months, she was out there doing it. And we have a ton of stories just like that. People who changed everything when they started asking bigger questions and building a life that they truly wanted, architecting their experience. Yeah. I love that word, architecting. And also another concept that you explained, which is I've really seen be transformational for some people is that and that is aiming for something. Mm. I think that's what I heard when you're talking about, you know, figure out where your core values are and then start aiming for them. Yes. And I, uh, and I would add to that, that the aiming for something for a lot of people requires permission that you can't actually aim for that. I mean, my yeah. wife would say. Why do you think we can go to Europe for a month? <laughs> and I would say, because people have done it. And I'm sure we can, we can too. I don't need anybody's permission to go, you know, I'm, I'm giving myself permission. Yeah. And I've talked to a lot of people who will say, gosh, I'd really love to, and I'm gonna throw one in, sail around the Caribbean on a catamaran with five of my buddies. Yeah. And the gentleman who said it, I, I said, why can't you? Well, what about my wife and kids? I go, what, what about your wife and kids? What if they're a hundred percent in on that vision with you? Because that's truly what your heart calls you to do. Maybe they're behind you on that. Yeah. Have, have that combo with them and see if it's possible. Yeah. Well, that's great. Boy, you've given our listeners a lot to think about in a short time here, uh, Adam. So I would like to give you the opportunity to uh, tell our listeners, like if, if they've heard something here and they want to know more, how would, what's the best way to get in touch with you and explore some things? Well, I'm always uh, available on social media. Instagram's probably my chosen uh, site. But if you go to adam.carol, two R's, two L's, adam.carol on Instagram. Um, if you're at all intrigued about the shred method, um, and I really encourage you to educate yourself in the process um, we have a, a, a webinar or a masterclass that we offer on the site, theshredmethod.com. Mm-hmm. And we're always open to a 20 minute phone call with any 
anyone who's interested in learning more, just to show you, here's what's possible. We'll run your numbers. We'll show you what, you know, what you might be able to achieve. And then of course, my website is adamcarroll.info, which is terribly easy to remember. Cause if you want information on me, adamcarroll.info is where you go. There you go. Well, Adam, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate your time and your, and your, uh, the the ideas that you bring forth, uh, I think they're very worthwhile and can be life enhancing for anyone. Well, it's my pleasure, Tony. And I want to say, keep doing what you do. Uh, you know, these these kind of shows are like they're medicine to some people. Yeah, they need it. Right. They need to hear what's possible. That's and the hope. What their life could be like. Mm-hmm. And I always maintain that we can have anything we want in life, anything. Mm-hmm. But we have to be willing to put in the work and the effort in order to get it. And sometimes that doesn't happen immediately. It happens over time. And so for anyone listening to Tony's show, stick with it. Uh, You got this. You can have anything you want. You just got to stick with it. Thanks, Adam. Really appreciate you being here. And strategists, until next time, keep on strategizing.